Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by Ryan Donnelly. Uh, Ryan, it, it happened again. We had a we had a college football week that didn't look especially interesting on paper, and now as we leave it, I think we have learned a lot more about the sport. We have we have gained information on some top tier teams. We have gained information on some some schools that are maybe fraudulent or or rapidly approaching fraudulent. And we also have seemingly a new <laughs> Heisman frontrunner in the form of uh, Kenneth Pickett, who we will talk about in a little bit because we were joined on this episode for a special segment by a friend of the show, Alan Saunders, who we will, as I mentioned, talk to near the end of the show here. But uh, before we do that... Yeah, uh, Alan, Alan came on to talk about the fact that you've been... Patrick, you've been running those... Uh, general kenneth pickett uh civil war accounts you're uh-huh. a huge fan of those right yeah I'm a that's big, your favorite thing I'm, I'm big into those yeah um <laughs> uh so yeah we, we talked exclusively actually about those accounts for for 30 minutes now uh, yeah if Faker those, coming on the pod next week too. yeah if those really actually are accounts that this is news to me i didn't know that people were still doing that in in uh do people definitely did it I, I i don't know about kenny pickett i was just making that up but i did see a new one this year i think for it might have been matt stafford it was somebody like Oh, they've been doing the Matt Stafford silly. one for years. They've been doing that for years. It wasn't. Years. It was someone else then. It just. It was fucking dumb. It was. Yeah. It was a quarterback without a beard. It might have been Jared Goff. I don't know. It was somebody Good like God. that. If you're doing it with uh, Jared Goff, man, you the, shouldn't do them at all. It was, they're never <laughs> funny. The Andrew Luck ones weren't funny. The Matt Stafford ones aren't funny. Yeah. None of the fake player or coach accounts that have ever existed. Like maybe the first year of Faux Pliny was good. Yeah. Since then, none of these have ever been funny, and you should be arrested if you do that. Dude, and it is so cool that 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 Fo Pellini has turned it into a job with the the like essentially the college football paper of record. Very good. Yeah, I mean, it's actually that. That, good for him. I mean, uh, we love a grift. I got to respect yeah, him for yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, good for him. Yeah, not he, the post. Like yeah. a like a like a mid two thousands level blogger in terms of like writing and and wit, just sort of okay, I guess, and then turning that into a. You work at the same place that Bruce Feldman works. It's not. It's, yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't scale famously, great. Famously, none of Bruce Feldman's coworkers, or maybe his like podcast co-hosts, are not just like mm-hmm. average mid two thousands bloggers. Happen to be in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. Um, well, we, we're we're getting into the bonfire of the enemies here a little bit early in a different way. We, uh, I, I was actually, I was, I was asked specifically uh, last week if we would ever do a bonfire of the enemies media edition, and it seems like we probably will just on accident here at some point. You can you can collect your own, you can collect your own list. Um, we're just too prone to talking shit. It's not even our fault. Yeah, we, I mean, like... we can't listen. We can't help ourselves. We just sometimes we we have to. We have to dish on on uh, you know certain college football uh, writers who have maybe blocked us on Twitter and made it really hard to figure out what the news is and things like that. <laughs> um, but <laughs> rather than getting ourselves in trouble at the beginning of this episode, we are going to do the standard bonfire of the enemies. Can I talk my Can shit talk again? My Can I talk my Can shit talk again? And first up here, we have just. Uh, just let me go. Yeah, go go for it here. Josh Heupel. Ryan, what, what this happened here? motherfucker, Josh Heupel, this absolute piece of shit. Yeah. We have been nice to him this whole season. He turned it around. We thought he was a bum. He was actually being competitive in games. He makes Tennessee look fun. He's like playing tight with everything they play. And then he has a chance. He's playing Alabama tough on the road for two and a half quarters. He's really in this game. Like It is a one-touchdown game with four minutes left in the third quarter. And inexplicably, he just taps out of the game yep. for no clear reason. Tennessee had the ball 
Fourth and one at the 47-yard line. <clears throat> they take an intentional delay of game with all their timeouts still in their pocket. <laughs> Punt the ball. Punt the ball for 38 yards only. Alabama takes the ball over at the 20-yard line. The rest of the game, here's how it goes. Alabama touchdown, Tennessee touchdown. Alabama touchdown, Tennessee interception. Alabama touchdown, Tennessee turnover on downs. Alabama touchdown, Tennessee punt. End of game. Yeah. It's not what you want. They had a one-score one game on the road at Bama. Four minutes in the third quarter to play. So about 19 minutes left in the game total. One yard to go for a first down. They are gashing Alabama on the, <laughs> on the ground and through the air all night. And they just tap out. Yeah. And... Now, my anger, Patrick, is not at all related to the fact that I missed a $1,200 parlay by a half point yeah. uh, because of Josh Heupel being a coward and refusing to play football. Why do coaches do this, dude? I, you're it, Tennessee. You're down one score on the road at Alabama. Like, if you win this game, you get a nine-year Jimbo Fisher extension overnight. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it is literally it is just good business to to try and go all out like play like your like your life depends on it against Alabama, right? Like, like it is objectively good lose? business. Oh no, yeah, you lost! You, you lost to the team that everyone loses to. You're at midfield, dude. It's one yard to go. Yeah, Alabama hasn't had a run defense for four years. Yeah, you, like are, what are you thinking? You you're off the Jeff Lebby tree. You've worked with Jeff Lebby, and you're telling me you don't have a one yard play. <laughs> one yard. One? You brought in that loser from uh, Carolina solely to do those kind of plays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, God damn it, dude. Yeah. Very, very. <laughs> I'm so pissed off. Very strange. I hit, it was a six leg parlay that came down to just that game. $1,200 on a free bet, Patrick. I could have had in my pocket. Yep. I would have. Oh, my God. I will. It, it, uh, <laughs> arrest, arrest Josh Heupel. I'm so mad about it. Yeah. I'm so pissed off about this game. Yeah, I'm so tired of coward coaches punting in obvious non-punt situations. Uh, fuck Josh Heupel. Fuck Tennessee. I hope he loses every game the rest of his career there, which I'm sure he will. I'm going to tell you, this is going to be indirectly, this will get him fired. Like, <laughs> just, Whenever it is, whether it's next year or the year after that or those are probably the two most realistic options. This will be a crucial point in in him being fired is the fact that in year one, he had the chance to to, if nothing else, at least keep the heat on Alabama on a on a, a kind of weird glitchy Alabama team. He had the chance to sure. really really pressure them. Even if you don't get it, you made him work for it, right? And instead, he he opted to give the ball to uh, to Bryce Young and and you know try and trust his his not good defense with 19 minutes to play. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, being tied with Alabama in the fourth quarter would be the biggest win Tennessee's had in a decade. Absolutely. I mean, that was that was a that was a big game, and they just to to give up like that is is. Uh, Bad. It's bad coaching. I don't know what it is about My Alabama God. specifically that makes coaches do that because, like, Ryan Day did the same thing in the championship. Oh, like, yeah. Sec- oh, yeah, absolutely. He tapped out. Like, the second quarter, he just gave up. He's like, okay, well, I guess we're, I guess we're going to lose this one. <laughs> Sorry, it's, guys. And it's like, you would think, I mean, like, if you're any, if you're a person who watches football or cares about football, every instinct in your body should tell you the opposite. Like, it is the one team in college football that nobody has a talent or, like, you know, a uh, uh, mental edge over like Alabama is mentally the favorite in every game they play. Like yeah. Bama will beat you until proven. Otherwise you have to throw everything that you have in the clip to beat Bama every time in yeah. like playing conservative against them is 
probably the greatest sin in all of college football. Like playing conservative in that situation in general, like fourth and one at midfield when you're moving the ball pretty easily is embarrassing. But doing it against Alabama on the road of all teams in a conference game is just so inexcusable. I cannot get over how dumb this is. Yeah. Like the only thing worse is doing a national fucking title game way Ryan Day did. Yep. What a coward. Yep. All right. Elsewhere, God damn it. Elsewhere in the bonfire, yeah. <laughs> we have all Speaking of cowards. Yeah, we have the entirety of the troops now. Air Force has joined Army and Navy in getting its uh getting its doors blown off. Um so we we can now officially say that the flipping the field Air Force is the strongest wing of the military. And uh mm-hmm. we, we do we do appreciate you all for that also. Only uh, I can't be the only one to think the Coast Guard put together a team and win the national title. Yeah, and they could. Uh next up, James Franklin. Um <laughs> Ryan, this team fucking sucks. I, I'm sorry. I know that that in the pre in the preseason we were previewing these guys and we're like, well, they got good receivers. They got a good secondary. This team fucking sucks. I'm sick of these guys. Yeah, they. I mean, they lost you, to you Iowa. Say what you want. Yeah, Iowa's going to go seven and five. About, like this. Come on. <laughs> this team fucking sucks. This team sucks. They're not good. Yeah, and say what you want about like Sean Clifford, like clearly playing at you know under fifty percent. Like he was clearly not even close to healthy. You are Penn State. Yeah. You have stacked. You're not stacking like top three classes the way Ohio State, Bama, and Georgia are, but you are like clearly one of the 10 most talented rosters in college football. You are stacking top 10 recruiting classes year in and year out constantly. Yeah. You cannot be two injuries away from losing at home to Illinois. Yeah. It's just inexcusable. Like, that is a complete lack of player development, uh, it is a complete lack of coaching acuity. Like that is just really, really bad. I understand like, Quarterback is one thing, it, it, which is, I mean, should not happen. But Tennessee, or sorry, Tennessee, I'm sorry, have hype on the brain. Illinois ran for 357 yards on you. They averaged five, over five yards of carry on 67 attempts. They were running the ball down your goddamn throat all day at will. Yeah. Yeah. And it, if you take away the four sacks, sorry, it's a lot more yards than that, but not even, whatever. Um, you know, they have Artur Sikowski who throws the ball worse than you at quarterback. That's right. And just still Illinois rush the ball at will. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really bad. Penn state can't run the ball even a little bit as, to, as you alluded yeah. to, like Noah Kane's a four star He's averaging 3.1 yards a carry. <laughs> they have a, a roster full of four star running backs. They had a ton of them. Yeah. Yeah. And they are just refusing to like be good. I mean, like, and, and, you know, I know their defensive line lost P.J. Mustafer, but again, that is one player. Dude. If you are one defensive tackle, it's not like he's all-American either. You know, he's yeah. like a, a second or third team all-conference guy. Like, if you're if that, if you're that if that's the only player between you and, again, giving up, you know, 400 yards on the ground to Illinois, uh, you should be fired on the tarmac. Yeah, yeah, really. Whatever bad. tarmac there is in State College, if it exists. Next up, speaking, Ryan, of coaches being fired on the tarmac, uh, Matt Wells has been fired on the tarmac. Uh, the Texas Tech head coach is both on the bonfire and out of a job today. He was he was removed from his position by Texas Tech after a 5-3 and three start. Um, Rest in uh, peace, bitch. Yeah, yeah, big dead bitch. That's all I have to say here. Uh, yeah, big swing game for him. I mean, like, I think we talked about it on last week's pod, but it was a must-swing game. Uh, I mean, it's the difference between... Going six and two and being bowl eligible, or finish the season like five and seven with five consecutive losses yep. to uh, superior teams. I mean, uh, you know, you should have beat TCU, dude. You shouldn't have gotten blown out by TCU. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't even think he's that bad. I just think like it was clearly a, like they never wanted to hire him. It seems like mm-hmm. he never really wanted to be there. Uh, they never fit each other. 
nothing about this really made sense at any point in time to me. Um, and now it's over. Yeah, and, and from what I've gathered here, um, it, it seems like sort of he when he because when he showed up he did not hire an air raid oc and he actually kind of <laughs> shit on the air raid a little bit like saying that you know that they didn't want to do that they wanted to play defense uh i believe it was dave yost was his offensive coordinator who was with him at utah state um wells was not an air raid guy before he showed up at texas tech and then it didn't really work super well the first couple years and they then this offseason go out and get sonny cumby who is an abs- absolutely an air raid oc the new interim coach as well but um and then they in 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 part with that they also go out and get a bunch of transfers and juco guys and they have a bunch of super seniors and so it feels like he sort of went all out to save his job this year and in doing so tanked the future recruiting of the program for multiple years like texas tech is going to be bad for a while now because he has because Mm -hmm. he's gone out and done this he went away completely from the ideology that he sold when he was hired and he started five and three, which is not good enough when you're gonna when you sell out like that. Like if you're gonna sell out, you gotta go nine and three. You gotta go ten and two, right? Like you have to be a Big Twelve contender, and this team very obviously isn't even like a bowl team. And they they might get to six, but this is not a very good team. And so it's it's just one of those where like, well, if he's gonna try and do the air raid shit and you know essentially recruit like Kansas did under Charlie Weiss, why don't we just go get an actual air raid guy? You know what what is the point in having right. this this counterculture guy if he doesn't actually even believe it anymore and he just gave up right away? Well, I mean it's also their own fault though, right? Like they had the counterculture guy, like it, Mike Leach is the one guy who figured out Texas Tech and they got rid of him. And like say what you want about Mike Leach and. You know, obviously he is far from a perfect football coach or a good person or someone I like, but uh, he actually won at that school, uh, which no one else before him. I mean, like Spike Dykes had a couple decent years in his like 20 year tenure. Yeah. There was like two or three good seasons in the 70s. And like they need to go back to like the World War II era to find Texas Tech being successful. Like, and they fired that guy because they thought they could get better because of off the field shit. But I mean, like, Dude, what a terrible decision. <laughs> and I mean, no one has figured it out better than Mike Leach has since. And I think they're going to chase that again, but now I think it's probably too late. Like, I think they probably lost that advantage of being that program. Um, I don't know. I'm sure they're going to go after Sonny Dykes here. If I'm Sonny Dykes, I do not take that job. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they're going to go after Jeff Trailer. I think Jeff Trailer can get a better job, depending on what happens. And I think I'd probably wait to see. Um, I think I'd probably wait to see what happens for him. Um, I don't know. Like, I think there's going to be some a lot of movement around college football. And I, if I'm Jeff Trailer, I'm waiting to see if like somebody else moves up and it gives me a better job option than Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Trailer is the one who who people will, you know, throw around a lot. It seems like Sonny Dykes is also somebody that they're throwing around. I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure they're going to get either of those guys, as you sort of alluded to. Like, I, it's not a good job. It's it's just it just isn't. Especially in the next couple of years, it's not going to be a good job. Um, maybe they have to go down and grab like Casey Keeler from the. Uh, the FCS ranks who even, even he, I mean, he's a national title coach down there. And so I, I, uh, I don't know what the future looks like here for Texas tech, but it's not especially good. Um, elsewhere in the bonfire, Justin Fuente, Wait, real, real quick, Patrick, sure. we're getting some, uh, some news live on the air, uh, that I'm getting some news rather that, uh, James Franklin has fired his agent and hired Jimmy Sexton, huh. uh, which is an interesting move for a guy that, uh, you know, people think it's going to stay at Penn State. <laughs> that is like a definition of I'm leaving this job. And he's like, Jimmy Sexton's the guy you hire to go get a fat check. Yeah. He's not the guy you hire to like 
uh, get negotiated for a pay raise. Huh. James Franklin has re-downloaded Tinder onto his phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's going to get announced for USC like the minute uh, Penn State loses to Michigan State. Or the minute we stop recording, even, it seems like. Um, oh, just kidding. Actually, it might have happened. Hmm, maybe disregard that. I think it might have already happened earlier in the year, and I'm just learning about it now. Good Lord. Um, all right, next up, Justin Fuente. Fake, uh, fake news. I'm fake newsing myself. Yeah, good Lord. Um, but Justin Fuente... He has lost again. This man is going to get canned. I think it's just a matter of 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 win. Dude, he sucks. Yeah, he really sucks. Uh, did you read the athletics recruiting confidential piece about Virginia? Yes, that was basically like uh, we talked about it, right? Yeah, yeah, it was basically like uh, yeah, Virginia Tech doesn't recruit here. I don't really know why. <laughs> yeah, like they don't build any relationships. They're not honest with us. They just get a bunch of Texas players. They lose with them. Like you know, you're taking three star Texas players. Uh, instead of three star Virginia players and you're just still getting your ass beat and now everyone also hates you in state. Yeah, I mean they suck. I don't know what else to say. Uh hire somebody good, losers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh next up, <laughs> Ryan Donnelly is on the bonfire of enemies. Unreal. Uh, Ryan, this, is, this is ridiculous. Ryan, what do you have to say for yourself after Matt Campbell has once again made a fool of you? Uh I made a check off Matt Campbell. So thank you again to Matt Campbell for being overrated. He didn't cover the spread. Uh, I don't care what you think you think I'm impressed by beating Mike Gundy? <laughs> no, we we what? just coming Being Mike Gundy. Coming, his into, wife does it every day. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> coming into the season or coming into the week, I I said repeatedly, well, they're going to beat a top ten team here because that's what Iowa State does. And you said, no, Matt Campbell's not good. He, this is what he does. Matt Campbell isn't good. Do you this, think Matt Campbell's good? This is what he does. He goes ten and two, and they beat one top ten team a year, and that's enough to get the Michigan job. Apparently, ten and two. Yep. Yep. This team is going eight and four tops. Mm. Well, one of those eights are going to be against Oklahoma in a couple of weeks, and we do love that. Um, mm, we will we will make an off air wager about that because you are uh, wrong. <laughs> Have you watched Oklahoma, <laughs> dude? It's Iowa State. What is their you know in non Kansas games they've scored like an average of like twenty four points all season. Like they just don't score points. Yeah, uh, didn't matter. Oklahoma sucks. The whole Big Twelve is terrible. I know that. Like, I'm not under the illusion that anyone's better, but like, it's just Matt Campbell, man. Like, who, like, who cares if you get up for a big? Get- like, you know who he is? He's like Midwestern Dan Mullen. Yeah, cool. He can get up for big games, but he also loses two stupid ones every year. Yeah, and inevitably just ends up making you go eight and four. Like that's who he is. Yeah. Well, the good news is that uh, Michigan is Midwestern Florida, and so it's a perfect fit. Uh, last, <laughs> I, I, as I, I keep saying, I hope they hire him. Please yeah, hire him. Yeah. Uh, last two here, both in the ACC. First up, Dabo. Um, Once again, <laughs> Ryan, I, I think Dabo might actually be really shitty now. It seems like he might not. It might Are just not like, be like a blip. Like they might suck now. I think we're going to need to find a Dabo dealer to re-up so we can keep smoking that Dabo pack because we're yeah. running dangerously low on supply at Dabo yeah, pack. Yeah, we're, we're uh, really – we're down to the – We've we're, been we're soaking it consistently. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're going to go like – shit. We've talked about it. We, and we'll mention this a few times, but we have a great segment with Alan Saunders. They have the show covering the Pitt-Clemson game. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're going to be lucky to go 8-4 and four this season. Like, yeah. they suck. They yeah. are really bad. Uh, and – Man, like Kay Klubnik better get healthy fast and get into that program fast because they cannot move the football at all. Yeah. They better get an offensive line coach fast. They better pay Harry Eastand, you know, three million dollars a year to come in. Uh, because oof, oof. <laughs> these guys blow. Yeah. Uh, last one here, Jeff Halfley. I don't really have any qualms with Jeff Halfley, but it, it seems like you have you've decided that you don't like him. So uh, go ahead and dish here. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not that I don't like him. I would like to see him win games. He just can't do it. It's not my fault. Yeah. Um, I mean, he just can't beat any, like, reasonable football team. You know what I mean? Like, like sure. I, as I keep asking, who are his wins? Like, he, he he's beaten this year's Missouri team in overtime. Uh, Missouri is three and four, and they're going to finish sub-500. Yeah. Uh, he's beaten Temple, UMass, Colgate. Uh, last year, he only beat one 500 football team, and it was Pitt uh, at home in an overtime game. Yeah, uh, and he lost every other to every other decent football team they played. They lost to Notre Dame, lost to Virginia, lost to Clemson, lost to Virginia Tech. Like if they're playing a good football team, they're going to lose the game. And it's cool he has an open locker room and all the media likes him, and he's like a, a fun guy to talk to. But um, if he wants to get a big job, like everyone keeps trying to put him into, like they want to keep him Penn State or whatever. I would suggest he try winning football games first before that happens. Sure. As I keep saying. All right. Games of the week. First up here, heartbreaking result for flipping the field. Coastal at App State. App State 30, Coastal 27. Uh, this was a banger. It was a really good game. I think that the – I don't know what the final win expectancy was for, for, for this one, but um, I think App State deserved a win. I think App State was the better team for, for three of the four quarters. Coastal kind of dominated yeah. the first quarter, but App State – it felt like kind of grinded out the possession. The that's the final stats don't really reflect that, but it seemed like App State just always had the ball and was really moving it consistently. Forty one carries for two hundred and twenty eight yards will do that, especially when compared to Coastal's twenty nine for fifty five. Um, if there is a a, a recipe for beating this Coastal Carolina program, it is exactly what App State did here, which is you really need to sell out to stop the run make it so that they're they're behind the chains a little bit um where like even when and they're behind the chains I, I get that i get being i get that strategy but like how does postal not adjust at all to yeah. football work yeah like they just kept know. calling the same shit i don't understand they're like a you know an rpo heavy team and a, a read option heavy team they just run the option basically but you have one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football and he's still throwing the ball very successfully like i, I gotta pull up the exact stats in this game but uh i mean grayson mccall was throwing the ball very well. I yeah. I don't really have any complaints about him. He has, he was 15 of 23, and I think several of the completions came on like the garbage time trying to like you know uh, heave the ball downfield. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they couldn't run the ball at all, and they kept trying to do it, and it just didn't work. Something so, that I'm something that I'm noticing with Coastal here, and that I'm curious about is that in these bigger games, sometimes, and not not as much against like BYU last year, but in a lot of these bigger games when they know that there's going to be uh you know a kind of a an interest in them a market around them people watching it kind of seems like Jamie Chadwell coaches like a like a bitch basically mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah. goes away from the shit that works for them um they didn't run a whole Urban lot Meyer of syndrome. they didn't run a whole lot of triple here like they just they just didn't and it was a lot of read option when they did run. It was a lot of their their more standard stuff. I don't know if this has been a trend throughout the season, but like, man, you got to understand what got you to this point. And it almost feels to me like he's trying to sanitize himself or for a bit for like an SEC job or an ACC job. And I think that that is a fundamental misunderstanding of what makes this program so good or what made Jamie Chadwell such an attractive candidate and still will at the end of the season is it is the fucking offense. That's why people like you. It's not, it's not that you're an incredible recruiter. It's not that you can, you know, run the, the spread as well as everybody else. Like you are a triple program. Why don't you run the triple? Why are you running read options every, you know, every time you run the option, why is it a read option? It doesn't make any sense. It just, 
it, and yeah. you know, App State did a good job of taking away the the stuff that it did. But I, I don't I don't tune in here to watch a really good RPO team. That's not no. That's not the pitch. And if it if that's the only thing working, then then do it. But I don't think that their rushing attack was anywhere near what it is supposed to be. What it has been in the past, and it's it's just like man, don't don't get too big for your own head here. You you've got. You've got an offense that works really well. I know that it's not, you know, you do, you didn't get the South Carolina job and that pissed you off, but you don't need to change all your shit just because of that. Like, you don't want the South Carolina job. Just do this and somebody who actually wants that offense will hire you. Right. And good news for Jamie is he'll be the head coach at either Virginia Tech or Florida in a few months. Yeah. So good for him on that. Uh, yeah. Before Christmas, he'll have one of those jobs. Yeah. Oklahoma, so, Oklahoma uh, at Kansas. Um, next, do you have anything else on Coastal? <laughs> No, no, but this fucking game, dude. I don't know, man. I'm I'm not one of these guys about football specifically. Yeah. Fucking Big Twelve called it in. Come on. Those calls in the second <laughs> half were beyond ridiculous. It yeah. was absolutely insane. Just like Oklahoma like did not get penalized on anything after yeah. like the second half. I mean, it was just fucking terrible. Yeah. Uh there were just several blatant holdings on big plays for them. That uh handoff for Caleb Williams was illegal and should have been called as such. Just, just very silly that was allowed to happen. All of it. Um, I don't know. Great game by Lance Leopold and Kansas. They got to start, you know, winning and, and doing better. But yeah. uh, ugh, fuck, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it really it, sucks. I think Kansas probably deserved to win this game, and it it, it stinks that they that they didn't. Um, offense yeah. didn't offense didn't execute especially well late in the game and that that certainly would have helped but the I thought the approach here was extremely solid I thought that their processes in general were very solid they, they didn't Kansas didn't hold on to the ball for long enough in the second half and that really hurt them but again it certainly would have helped if one of the Oklahoma holdings had been called or you know right any of the pass interferences or or anything of the sort or like, anything yeah, yeah. Like, like oklahoma had 10 penalties for 65 yards in this game it should have been probably 20 for 130 <laughs> you know there, yeah. it, was I just, mean, it, it really was like this like I, this was to me like the definition of like mid-major schools complaining about like their conference like giving calls to big programs like this is the definition of that to me yeah, yeah, for sure, and and yeah, like I said, credit to Kansas for a good game plan. Disappointing result here for the uh, mm-hmm. the flipping the field Air Force. Next up, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. We've touched on it a little bit. Oklahoma State is yeah. just not not what people wanted it to be. It never will be. It's they just gave Mike Gundy a rolling five year contract, and he stinks. He's not a good coach. Like I'm, I'm sorry, Mike Gundy's not a good coach. Well, he's always had that contract. It just went away last year after the OAN shit. Uh, but he, it's just like restoring that contract, awesome. which is awesome. I mean, That's dumb. so cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Oklahoma State sucks. Uh, Iowa State sucks. Big Twelve sucks. I don't know anything else in this game. It was fine. I just had to include it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's it's astonishing how quickly the Big Twelve has gone from being bad but entertaining to just full on bad. Like they're just. There's nothing here. They there's, started playing defense, dude. They yeah. didn't get they didn't get what their appeal was. There's nothing worth watching here in any of this. Like Oklahoma even is not worth watching. And that that's usually not true, but it has been these last couple of years now. It's just a dog yeah. shit league. Just awful. You you are better served yeah. watching the Mac. Um Clemson um, Clemson at Pitt is our next one here. I think we, we mentioned this, but we have a full breakdown of this game at the end of the episode, so we'll just kinda gloss over here and Listen to that, please. Yep. Oregon <laughs> at UCLA. This one comes down to the last drive or so, but Oregon is able to hand, hang on. Man, is is Oregon just going to just do this like the rest of the season? Where they, they, just... they are just trying to lose every game. Like yeah. They try so hard. Yeah. Um, and Caleb like, Dimitro is incredible. Good for him. Uh, there's very little else to remark on about this team. I think they're bound to lose eventually, but 
I don't know to who. Yeah, like <laughs> like you look at the rest of the schedule: Colorado, both Washingtons, Utah, and then Oregon State. I I think I know the answer. I think it's Utah. At Utah. Yeah, I think it's yeah. at Utah. <laughs> um, but if they don't lose there, like this is not a great Utah team. Utah just lost to um, shit. Who uh, Oregon State? You know. And hell, maybe it's Oregon State. Maybe maybe fucking Oregon State gets some, which would just be hilarious. Um, but like SC or the Pac-12 championship game, it would have to be you know one of Arizona State or Utah, presumably. And I don't know if I trust either of those teams in any meaningful way. And I just, I almost feel like a one-loss Oregon still is sitting at like sixth or seventh in the rankings because these guys are so obviously fraudulent. Yeah, um, there's just very little on their resume. Like they just don't have any kind of game control. They don't have any like big wins, really, except Ohio. I mean, the highest State wins huge, obviously, but they're not going to have anything beyond that to support it. Maybe Fresno State if they keep winning. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're a good enough team to actually run the table. I think they're like, a, but their schedule is very easy. I don't know. Like, I, I think Oregon, despite that great win at Ohio State, that head to head will not come into play unless like the major changes, right? Like, unless there's like a lot of other teams that yeah. fuck up. Yeah. Um, but they're a good team. They're having a good season. They keep winning games. Got to give them credit for that. I just don't think they're anything real. Yeah. Um, our final nominee here is NC State at Miami. Just come on. Just yeah. just come on, Dave. Our second totally inexplicable loss season by the Wolfpack. You cannot lose the Miami situation Late with a backup quarterback. This sucks, dude. Win yeah. the game you're supposed to win. Yeah, man. I I'm I think I'm I'm ready to. Uh... To, to say fuck Dave Doran. I think Dave Doran is a shitty coach. I, I this is I'm sick of this shit. I don't understand. I, he does this shit every fucking year, and they're they're still gonna be like eight and four or nine and three. But I have no reason to believe that this loser is not gonna drop three more games like this. Do like, they, they're probably just gonna keep him forever, though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I think he's just good enough to stay forever. I think he'll probably win. I don't know. I think you're probably right. I think it's nine and three or eight and four this season. Yeah. Uh, Unless they beat Wake, they're not going to play for a conference championship. I mean, I guess they still could go eleven and two with a conference championship. That's still in front of them, but yeah. I, you don't expect it, right? Like, I don't <sighs> think that's likely. No, and it, it's like <laughs> you you look at their you look at their stats, right? The defense is excellent. The defense is like top ten, you know, <laughs> like 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 top ten in yards, top twenty in passing yards, seventh in rushing yards. They're they're allowing fourteen point three points per game, and and granted, some of those are against bad teams, but then they go out and they give up thirty one points to Miami's backup quarterback and the offense, which coming into the year we thought was going to be excellent, is fucking horrible. Like they're they're av- yeah, and it doesn't make sense because like they have good individual players and none of it works together. Yeah, like Bam Knight, Ricky Person, Emeka Amezi, like Devin Carter have all had splash plays time and time again. De- I think Devin Leary is and- really good. Right, like a yeah, quarterback. I think Devin Lewis is a he's, good quarterback. He's protecting the ball. Seventeen touchdowns and two interceptions this season. He's completing sixty-six percent of his passes. Like he's just doing things well, but like they can't put it together. And he's staying healthy too. I, it's just like at a certain point, if when you have like players this good and units that should be better than they are, it's just coaching. Like Doran yeah. is just fucking it up. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, this whatever. sucks. What's your pick? Um, yeah. <laughs> I I think it's. Probably in terms of sheer quality, I would I would go with uh, Coastal App State. I guess there's not a great pick this week. I think it was Clemson at Pitt for me. I think Coastal App State was the most competitive game of the week, but um, I had the most fun watching Clemson at Pitt as Pitt was just again. You'll hear us talk about the end of the zero, but Clemson just uh, got leaned on by Pitt in the second half, and very fun to watch a team just out physical Clemson. Yeah. All right. Next up, you blew it. You blew it. 
Uh, first up, Coastal App State. We don't need to touch on again. Coastal blew it. I still think they're probably going to go eleven and one. I think there's a good chance that they still win the Sun Belt. But got to got to coach better in the big games. Next up, Tennessee at Alabama again. Covered Talk extensively. About it. Yeah, Josh um, Heupel. Yeah, fuck these guys. Uh, Kansas versus Oklahoma. Um, Kansas partially blew it. Kansas should have done a better job in the second half of holding onto the ball as it did in the first half. But again, I think the game plan yep. was solid. And of course, NC State, which is uh, uh, rapidly approaching, at least for me, my shit list. I'm sick of these fucking guys. I, <laughs> I am. They should be so much better than I'm they are. I'm holding the faith, dude. Yeah. I'm holding the faith for now, but I'm expecting them to like. They're going to do the ultimate thing to piss me off, which is like they're going to win out, including being Wake Forest on the road. Yeah. And then lose at home to Syracuse to end the season. Absolutely. Uh, like somehow. Yeah. Uh, fuckers. Yeah. But I yeah, uh, I I think the pick here probably has to be NC State, right? They're our most disappointing one for sure because there was just so much in front of them, and they could have made the ACC a lot more fun. Yeah, and uh, like they at really least, fucked it up for a lot of teams. At least we like App State as a program. Like Boone is a really cool place to to see a game. The crowd I thought was excellent on that on that one. Mm-hmm. Like you could you could notice on TV how good it was, and right. so I, I don't feel terrible right. about that. But like fuck my. By the way, we should shout out super quick. Uh, even though it didn't work out for them, great move by the Kansas football program to open the gates entirely yes. to anyone who wanted to come into the game. Yes. Uh, people didn't see this. Uh, you know, uh, Kansas football posted a tweet that the whatever East and West gates were open and fans were coming without a ticket anytime they wanted to. Yeah. Just trying to fill up the stadium. That yep. rocks. I'll say also like 70 programs of the 130 and the FBS should do that. They should have an open door policy. You should just be able to, be, no ticket, just come right in. Like, there's not. Yeah, but how do you make money? Well, you can still sell the <laughs> tickets, but like third quarter, fourth quarter, if it's close like that, you should absolutely open the gates. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. Or maybe just do free tickets for students. I mean, some schools yes, do that. That probably, is but... that is something they should do at every school. Literally, every school should have free tickets for students. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, make the student section they... bigger. Like some yes. of these students are too small. Yeah. yeah. You wonder why um, Penn State's crowd is so good? Because <laughs> they put the right. students all over the stadium. Yeah, it's like every other section of students, right, or something like that. Like yeah. They just like do like a, yeah. You got to mix them in for yep. sure. Yep. Um, right. Got to be a little bit quicker okay. than that. Nominees here. Oh, you almost had it. You got to be quicker than that. First up, Penn State, Illinois. We haven't <laughs> talked about it yet. This game fucking sucked. This was horrible. Was, I was in a car, so I, I didn't say this yet, but I was uh, I was in Washington this weekend, the state of, I don't yeah. know, not the capital. Um, no, uh, you were you haven't you haven't been there since that faded day in in January. <laughs> um, friend of the show, Will English, has a birthday coming uh, on the day of the. This episode will drop on Tuesday. So shout out to Will, happy birthday! Uh, there with uh, friend of the show, Grace and Greg as well. Uh, great, great gang. Uh, we were driving up into the Cascade Mountains for a hike, and miraculously had service for most of the drive, like up into these just incredibly rural mountain stretches uh, on the Skykomish and. We were just getting updates. I didn't have enough service to watch the game, but could see the tweets about it as I was just seeing like failed extra point attempt after extra point attempt after extra point attempt at this game uh, to everyone just laughing at this game uh, yeah. was my experience. <laughs> Very funny for me personally. I loved it. Yeah, uh, It was great to, he- great to hear about. But um, yeah, Penn State, dude. I mean, incredible. I also want to point out here, I had the under on this game uh, at 39 and a half, maybe 40 and a half. <laughs> And the game went to nine overtime, and I hit the under on this. Uh, just amazing to, to experience. Uh, but, yeah, we already talked about this game, I guess. But Penn State, uh, you have to be able to do better than, than what, two of nine uh, from, <laughs> from that close. Yeah. These guys fucking suck. 
Yeah. Like you should just be able to run over Illinois. You're bad. They're bad. You're yeah. bad. They're bad. Everyone's bad. Man, it just the, the 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 glaring issues that they have in running the football, like the most basic thing in in the entire sport, is is just it's really pathetic. Personally, I can't believe that Mike Yursich is not the guy to fix the Penn State offense. Um, but uh, but who who could have ever known that? Um, elsewhere, Texas Tech versus Kansas State. Texas Tech absolutely blows this lead here. Kansas State comes all the way back. Kansas State, I think, deserved to win, and they you know they do end up winning. But uh, Texas Tech had to be a lot had to be a little bit quicker than that to the extent where if it was a little bit quicker than that it probably doesn't lose its head coach so this is this is up there with the uh with the most extreme that we have had so far um virginia tech syracuse i i'll be honest i can't believe that that fuente didn't get fired on sunday like i i I think that this is that bad of a loss. Uh, word up to, to yeah. Dino Babers in Syracuse, I guess. For for they're, sure, they're yeah. probably going to be bowl eligible, which is insane with with where they were this off season and where we thought they were headed. Um, but Virginia Tech, Dude, they've had some real offensive firepower, like, and it's incredible because Garrett Schrader, yeah, it's like, fucking Garrett, it's Garrett Schrader. <laughs> yeah, but Sean Carter, again, I keep calling that Sean Tucker is just going off like he's starting to get a lot of nfl draft buzz too as a as a as a, as a pick and uh i mean my god man these guys are fun to watch i'm really enjoying seeing them play football yeah but yeah um syracuse is decent they're better yeah. than Virginia Tech, i'll say that did you but, see... yeah Virginia Tech had a nine point lead with five minutes left and blew it yeah did you see sean tucker's tweet after this game no, what did he say? <laughs> he had like a uh, like a Magic Johnson style post. <laughs> he said, "Oh man!" He he posted a picture of himself with the uh, with the 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 tweet attached uh, that just says, "Finally, an ACC win for Syracuse, forty-one Virginia Tech, thirty-six. I'm pleased with my performance and happy with the outcome. I ran twenty times for hundred and twelve yards with two receptions for fourteen yards. Thanks to my offensive line for helping me reach one thousand yards and more to come. I'm just getting started. Very nice tweet. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> what a nice young man." <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. All speaking right. of a little quicker than that, UCLA was down 34-17 late in the fourth quarter and very nearly completed a comeback here. With, with uh, Dorian uh, Thompson Robinson was falling out. Yeah, and and also then Ethan Garbers nearly balled out until he threw the interception to to end the game. But like, I don't know, yeah. I don't know if you watched the end of this one. He was dealing until he uh, until he threw that pick. Like he he came out with a man with like a man with nothing to lose, and uh, he went and lost something. But it was it was fun up until that point. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Yep. Uh, we've got ECU at Houston, too, in the American. This, uh, this is the game yeah, that was delayed Houston, for like 10 hours. Uh-huh. Houston just keeps surviving, man. They just keep finding ways to win. We don't like them. I don't want us to keep doing this, I guess, yeah. except for to support Cincinnati. But uh, they just keep winning football games. Uh, they uh, Eastern Carolina had a uh, 14 to nothing fourth quarter to send it to overtime, yep. but just could not uh, couldn't get the job done in OT. Um Man, yeah, I, I, six and one Houston. Yeah, with, uh, with I believe SMU on the docket this week, right? That's right. Yeah. Big game. Yeah, they host SMU. That is one of the the best games. I'm sure we'll talk about the preview, but yeah, one of the best games in the country this weekend. I can't wait for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last one here: Nevada at Fresno State. Fresno State holds on for the victory. Um, Nevada's offense is is quite good, but the defense still just is not is not there. I think Fresno mm-hmm. State has has returned to 
being among the favorites in the uh, in the Mountain West, along with San Diego State, which seems like it might just go undefeated, scoring like fourteen points a game, which rocks. I mean, good for yep, good for for Brady Hoke, who I I do genuinely like as a coach. I think he's I think he's very funny, and I I enjoy his uh I enjoy yeah. his whole thing. I mean, he he's the best Michigan coach for the last twenty years. We got to give it to him. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the pick here? Um, that's a good question. Probably Texas Tech. This. Probably Texas Tech. I was going right. to say I was going to say Penn State. I think uh, I think Penn State has to be a quicker than that. Okay. Uh, next up, feel it deep down in my plums. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen with a light blue hue to them, fresh and juicy, ready for the picking. Uh, Ohio State at Indiana. Um, the the primary anger that I saw here was from Ohio State bloggers who, for some reason, can't stand Indiana. Just absolutely furious about about the Hoosiers <laughs> um, losing their fucking minds over a team that they've beaten twenty six times in a row. Uh, what am I am I missing something here? Oh, I think that it was more of just like Ryan Day keeping C J Stroud in this game, yeah, like, almost to the fourth quarter. See, he with, just uh, he just does that here. though because he's a dumbass. Like he doesn't realize that his quarterback <laughs> could get hurt. He's just a dumb asshole who doesn't who doesn't think that anything uh, yeah, bad could I mean, happen to him. I don't know. I think they really dislike Tom Allen, and uh, I don't know. I don't blame him. Tom Allen's fucking annoying, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone's call, talks about it like he's college football Ted Lasso. Uh, he, he's a fucking hick. He's not that good. He's now under 500 uh, in Indiana. Um, people talk about him building on something there. Like he, you know, like Kevin Wilson wasn't doing the exact same thing, if not better. Kevin uh, Wilson was, I'll, I'll say real quick, Kevin Wilson was not doing it better. Look at that man's record again. He was not doing Kevin it Kevin Wilson was uh, like 500 over his final four seasons. He had a terrible first year, basically 500 football after that. Great. Which uh, is pretty much what Tom Allen's doing. Uh, Tim Allen, Tom Allen, what his name is. Huh? I don't know. He had, <laughs> he had a good season. On a few fluky wins last year, it's one of the best seasons in Indiana history. Great for them. I'm, I'm happy for the program. I'm not trying to shut Indiana's football program. I just don't get the Tom Allen infatuation. Um, there are a lot of coaches in comparable situations who have done much better what's available to them. Um, even my enemy, Matt Campbell, has done better. Mark Stoops has done a much better job. I don't get specifically the infatuation with Tom Allen. I, I just don't understand it. Yeah. Um, and it seems like Ryan Day uh, – I don't know, hates him particularly for some reason, probably because probably it's more accurate that Kevin Wilson probably hates him because Tom Allen stabbed him in the back and tried to stake him out to the athletic department successfully to get the job. Yeah. Um, Tom Allen's a snitch and we don't support that. I, in this specific case, I, I do given Kevin, uh, Kevin Wilson's crime. I do kind of support it. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe, uh, nope. <laughs> maybe justified in this case. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think that Tom Allen made a really shitty offensive coordinator hire and bringing in Nick Sheridan, but I don't know if I'm ready to say that he's like a bad coach or anything. Um, I don't think he's a bad coach. I just think he's overrated, and I think Indiana's annoying. Yeah. Uh, Pitt, Clint, Pitt, so you're included among the Ohio State bloggers that on Saturday night, after watching their team win by 50, is like, God, I hate these fuckers so much. I don't know, man. I don't uh, I don't hate Indiana. I just uh, don't like their colors or the way they talk or mm-hmm. – uh, their football team or their coach yeah. uh, or most of their fans. I don't really like their basketball program. <laughs> I think their stadium's kind of annoying. Um, their tailgates are cool. 
Smith hates the stadium. <laughs> uh, I, I think Indiana. I think Indiana and all of its uh, fans that listen to this podcast are very nice. Uh, next, yeah, up, keep on saying to Patrick, just mute my half. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is actually that's going to be a feature on the on the the upcoming shows is just the just the Patrick uh, just the Patrick audio. Uh, next up, Pitt Clemson. Uh, as we talked about, we were going to talk about this one pretty extensively. Um, NC State Miami. I I think that the the pick here is probably Pitt Clemson because this was such a like sort of exercising of demons it felt like for Pitt like the entire season kind of has but this one especially you could tell that they especially Pat Narduzzi really really wanted this one oh yeah big time I mean they were just uh you know like I was saying I'll mention this again our post thing with Alan here but uh you know Kenny Pickett was just picking up hard first downs late in like the game and just running for them and outrunning Clemson defenders who were five-star players and uh, the pit crowd was just losing its mind, and they're happy to see a successful team. I'm happy for them, and uh, also Clemson's being so pissed off. Like I think it's stupid personal fouls and unnecessary roughness and just little little nonsense. Justin Maskell had a really big one towards the end of the game. It really sealed the loss for Clemson. And uh, yeah, I mean, you deserve it. You deserve it for buying Dabo. Fuck him. Uh, and I like to see them lose. Yeah. So shout out the pit. Yep, for sure. Uh, throwback game of the week brought to you by Quaalude. There's nothing like a fucking Quaalude. <laughs> First up, Penn State, Illinois. Uh, where every player was on Quaaludes yeah, except <laughs> except for Chase Brown who's full on good I, I will say also real quick man uh, we were right about Brett Bielema Illinois is, is already like kind of doing the thing that he wants it to do they just don't have any talent but uh, I, I, th- I don't think I can take any credit I think I disagree with you on that so I'll, I'll let you have this one did you? I, I, I don't know I'm, I'm willing to I'm willing to let you in on this one if you want it but uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know I don't think it's going to work I, I still think it's just kind of like I don't know. They might get bowl eligible once or something. I don't know. I don't see it. Right. I continue. Well, to, I continue to believe in Brett Bielema. Next up, San Diego State at Air Force. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. San Diego State did exactly what we thought they were going to do. They they sat on them. Um, I think there's a very decent chance that they do go undefeated here. They have left on the schedule Fresno State this week, which is a banger, certified banger. That's an awesome game. Mm-hmm. Pretty much will determine the Mountain West West. Um, because Nevada already has the one loss to uh, to Fresno. Uh, then they have Hawaii, Nevada, UNLV, and Boise State. It's going to be a fun final stretch here. This defense is worth watching. It is extremely good. The offense is also present and on the team. Uh, so good for good for them. Air Force, I think, put up a pretty good fight. I do think Air Force is a, is a good team. San Diego State is just that much better. Uh, New Mexico at Wyoming. Wyoming is terrible. Wyoming Dude, these guys is, suck. is really I bad. I was dead wrong about Wyoming. They are awful. This is one of the worst offenses ever seen. Yeah, they. We had questions coming into the season about whether the offense could get going. It it can't. The defense is still pretty good. It's good against the pass, uh, but they have scored a combined uh, three points in their last two games and seventeen in their last three after twenty four against UConn. Uh, things have have devolved here very quickly. I will say. Just for the uh, for the sake of saying it, shout out to Danny Gonzalez and New Mexico, which is quietly three and five. Granted, two of those wins were over Houston Baptist and New Mexico State, but they get back on track with a conference win here. I think the first of his tenure. 
kind of a proof of concept situation for them. He wanted to build out a good defense. He's a San Diego State guy, uh, and the defense is in points per game top 100, yards per game or uh, yeah, yards per game top 75. That's it's it's a start. It's it is a start, and they're not the worst team in the mountain in terms of uh, in terms of standings. That's Wyoming. So good for good for New Mexico here. Um, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, we talked about, and then Wisconsin, Purdue. I think Wisconsin might win the uh, Big Ten West, and I, I don't, I'm not going to elaborate on that further. I just, I think they might win the Big Ten West. <laughs> Are you going to retract your slanderous claims by Graham Burtz? Uh huh. Did you see his stats in this one? Nope. <laughs> so Graham Merch sure for those, Graham Merch for those of you who were not aware, five of eight for 52 yards in this game. <laughs> That's efficiency, baby. That's that's what you want to see right there. He's so cool. <laughs> They've just stopped letting him pass. That's how bad Graham Mertz is. They've just stopped giving him the ball. They're just, let's just snap it straight to to, uh, to Chesma Lucy. <laughs> Get that's this right. Over that's with. right. Oh um, man, could you imagine being uh, who, who is it? Danny Davis, the uh, the receiver on this team. <laughs> no. <laughs> Brother could have gone to Cincinnati. That's all I'm going to say. What's the pick here? Um, I guess I'm going to take New Mexico at Wyoming because it's truly a hideous game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But all of these are valid picks. I, I would not begrudge anybody for picking any of these. Yep, yep. Um, all right, other games to okay. touch on real quick to land at SMU. Should we even? I don't know. We yeah. can like... Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll just I'll just roll through these just to... to... If I have any thoughts here, Tulane at SMU, SMU wins easy. Washington at Arizona, Jimmy Lake should be fired. Washington very, very nearly lost to a team that hasn't won in like 18 tries. West Virginia at TCU, um, Gary Patterson, it's it's, uh, it's <laughs> bills come and do, I think. Cincinnati at Navy, uh, not my problem. I, I, I'm not worried about it. It's fine. <laughs> this happens. It's a service academy. They're, they're fine. Uh, Michigan, Northwestern, I think Michigan is, is probably the second best team in the Big Ten and maybe a top 25 team borderline uh good conference wake forest at army <laughs> wake forest scored 70 points on army and army scored 56 so good for wake forest i guess uh niu at central michigan i am all in on this niu team i think that they rock they come back from down like 14 points in the fourth quarter to win this one they are the leaders in the mac right now especially after western michigan fucking blew it against toledo as they are wont to do um Good for good for Thomas Hammock. I really like this program. LSU at Ole Miss. Um, I guess I mean, this 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 all this all makes sense. I guess I, LSU is not going to enter supernova mode as I was kind of hoping it would. Rice at UAB. I don't know what's going on with this one. Rice beats UAB thirty to twenty four. UAB will bounce back and still go nine and three, but I think that's about all it's it's going to do. Uh, Maryland at Minnesota. Minnesota wins. Minnesota, I believe, is tied for the lead in the Big Ten West. Um, so there's it's something to think about there. The Bowling, Bowling Green could be the de facto Big Ten West champion at the end of the season. BYU at Washington State. BYU gets back on track. This team is not as good as we were hoping it was, but it does still win here. Boston College at Louisville, no thoughts. USC at Notre Dame, no thoughts. Georgia Tech at Virginia, no thoughts. Ryan, do you have anything here? Um, no, I have really nothing to add. I think this was a uh, good little week college football, man. The season keeps chugging along. Uh, yep. Ranked teams keep losing. Um, it's fun. Uh, it's not happening to my team, so I'm good with it. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see uh, how this year's wacky finish ends up with Georgia versus Ohio State. Yep. Yep. Agree with all of that. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Ryan, let's get out of here. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. He's B1G underscore Ryan. The show is. Oh, so at- wait, Patrick, hang on, hang on. Uh, we're not really done, though, because right yeah. after this, you guys are going to hear uh, us talk to Alan Saunders. So please yeah. stick around and listen to that. Alan yes. is really great. Uh, he has a great explanation of the Pitt Clemson game. We go into detail on that and talk about Pitt season, what's coming next. Uh, but after that, you know, go follow us on Twitter and tell yes. your friends. Yes, but we did an we did outro, outro after we talked to Alan, so we will do so here. You know where to find us. Um, and you also know to continue to listen to the show because we just told you to. So do not, do, not, mm-hmm. do not touch that dial. Do not click out of your little, your little player on your little screen. Um, and uh, Ryan, I will, I will get back with you, and we will be back on Thursday. Lego. Yep, enjoy our uh, conversation with Alan. All right, we have friend of the show, Alan Saunders, joining us today. Uh, Alan is a writer for uh, Pittsburgh Sports Now, Pittsburgh Steelers Now, uh, the AP, a whole bunch of places covering all things Pittsburgh and Western PA football. Um, Alan, uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. First of all, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, we were excited to talk to you. I know it was kind of a big, uh, a huge weekend for the Pitt football program, and um, you've been covering the team for quite a while now. I mean, how does this weekend the win over Clemson stack up in terms of what you've seen from excitement around the program and your time covering Pitt. Well, I'm pretty sure this is about the 10th podcast slash out of town radio hit slash, uh, you know, a thing like that I've done in a week. And that's about nine more than I usually do. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, Getting some attention on the program that is certainly not always there, um, both in the city and nationwide. I mean, it's kind of funny because I think if you're in sort of a a certain group of people that follow college football, you know, maybe the sort of like Twitter, Reddit crowd, I think Pitt is kind of a team that that sort of people know a little bit about. I think that group of people would be surprised at, how Pitt struggles in the city of Pittsburgh to draw attention sometimes. And so I think that's a bigger thing for Pitt than most teams in their situation where, you know, this is a a pro sports town and people care about a lot other than Pitt football here. And uh, it's a really big deal for that program to be kind of the talk of the town. And really it is right now. The Steelers are three and three. Penguins are all hurt and have minimal expectations through the season. The Pirates are, well, they're they're still the Pirates, but like they're the Pirates, yeah. (laughs) This is Pitt football is a big deal right here, right now in this city, and I don't know. I mean, I've been covering the team since 2015. It's certainly the first time you can say that since then, and I have a feeling it's the first time you can say that, and and a lot longer than that. Yeah, I think it probably goes back to the Wanstead era, right? I think it's the last time the program had this much like buzz around it, which is crazy to say, especially after how everybody was feeling uh, coming out of that Western Michigan game at home. Uh, but I mean, I, I think what's really cool is you're seeing a lot of like ingrained pessimism and lifelong Pitt fans kind of being washed out this year during some optimism. And there's always that core of that within the program. But I think it's like, I mean, it's been fascinating to me to see people who are usually uh, miserable during games, like starting to actually get excited about the team and uh, in a way that is not too common. Not, and that's a dog for that. It's not an insult at all. I mean, I, I think I'm that way about a team that wins, you know, 12 games a year. So I, I totally understand it <laughs> um, <laughs> to come from that perspective. Um, but it's fascinating to watch. I mean, I think that the most incredible thing about that game on Saturday was 
you know, Clemson's had, first of all, there's, there's really never any excuse for a team with this much talent to perform this way. But it's not like this is a game where they had a bunch of mid-game injuries, right? Like their best players, by and large, were healthy for this game. Um, they had DJ healthy. They had Will Shipley healthy. They had their receiving core healthy with Justin Ross and Bo Collins and a bunch of other guys. Uh, Pitt just really beat them up and down the field decisively the entire night. Like, I mean, after what, the like end of the first quarter, Clemson never really threatened to take the lead again the rest of the game? Yeah, I think that's the thing that really stands out to me about that game is – you know, it's not like, you know, in 2016 when Pitt beat Clemson, it was this kind of weird back and forth game where nobody could really stop anybody and Pitt just happened to score last. Um, you, know, the, you think about wins where, you know, it's a, it's a fluke or somebody does something. I mean, that was a fairly drama-free victory for Pitt. I mean, they didn't really – they didn't have to have to bust out the trick plays. They didn't need any individual heroics. They just kind of did their thing and they won by two scores and – ran out the clock with three minutes and 53 seconds left or something like that in the last drive. I mean, it was as a, a fairly strong performance. I, I think you can, I don't know how anybody could watch that game and say that Pitt wasn't clearly the better team, despite the fact that uh, I don't know how anyone could line up the players individually and say that Clemson doesn't have more talent at nearly every single position. Yeah. I think the part, that really shone through to, or I don't know how to speak, but uh, you know, shine through to me <laughs> was that unnecessary roughness penalty in the fourth quarter on Justin Maskell, where you know Pitt had just been running the ball down Clemson's throat, possession after possession, and it wasn't like he had a great rushing night. I mean, I think Pitt finished with well, they averaged what four yards a carry the night, something like that, three point eight yards per carry, um, and you know, despite that, they were just leaning on Clemson at the end of that game. And Clemson could do nothing about it. And you can tell their players were just pissed off. Like, just uh, the season shouldn't – they don't expect any season to go this way, let alone a season where they came in, I think, preseason top five. They played the number one team in the country close in week one uh, and just cannot generate any offense any given night. And now with all the injuries piling up, the defense is starting to fall apart too. All possessions they have to face. And I, I really don't know, like, this Clemson team is not looking – uh, like they should not be confident that they're going to get more than seven wins this year, which is crazy to say. Like, I don't think, I don't think that's a given that they're going to beat Louisville like or, or wake forest. Like, I, I think they're going to struggle to like stay within a touchdown of both of those teams. Yeah. I mean, the ACC isn't what I would call deep or good. Uh, so, I mean, that's <laughs> certainly going to be some wins to be had there. I think the biggest thing for me is, and it's very telling, like Pitt's whole defensive scheme is predicated on just daring quarterbacks to beat them. Like they just, they're playing quarters, which is like basically man to man coverage on the outside 75%. It's the same thing Narduzzi has run since what, like 2009 with, with, uh, Mark D'Antonio, like it's just, it's not since like, since like way back to Cincinnati. It's exactly the same yeah. defense. Like, and, it's not that hard to beat schematically. Like I idiot sports writer can sit here and be like, these are the plays that you need to run to beat Pitt's scheme. It's not that hard. It's just that there aren't that many teams. First of all, that do those things on a regular basis. Uh, and then are, are going to be willing to throw out what they want to do and do those things instead and be able to execute it at a high enough level to win the game. Um, I mean, 
Pitt was just like, hey, you have a bunch of six foot three, five star receivers, and uh, we don't think you can throw deep on us. And they couldn't. DJ Ogalay couldn't do it. Um, Tyson Pumacon couldn't do it. Like, it didn't seem to matter which quarterback was in the game. Clemson just couldn't do it, and most teams can't do it. T- Tennessee. Heroic couldn't. effort there, by the way. Uh, uh, thank you. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, Tennessee couldn't do it either with, with Joe Milton or Hendon Hooker. You know, and then Western Michigan does uh, because they have a, a fairly good quarterback in Caleb Ellaby and an offensive coordinator that was just like, "Yeah, screw it. We don't care what we do. We're gonna we're gonna go beat Pitt, and we're gonna spend our entire offseason on beating Pitt because that's our game." Yeah, that's uh, so, Western PA legend Sky Moore going off in that game. It it, <laughs> it can be beaten, but like it's it's daring you to do it, and uh, I just. Clemson couldn't do it. And they didn't really, I mean, they dropped a lot of passes, including one, I think, to, to Shipley that would have changed the game. Clemson was winning 7 nothing. If he just hangs on, it's at least a 40-yard pass, if not like a 60- or 70-yard touchdown, and then it's up two scores. And that's the kind of situation that Pitt is not built to get out of. But, man, like they, they just couldn't do it. And I, I think that's that's – the way it's supposed to work for Pitt, but it's not supposed to work against Clemson like that. I mean, look at what Clemson <laughs> did to them last year. They scored 31 points before most people were in their seats. Um, that's the way it's supposed to work when you you run that defense boneheadedly up against a team with five-star talent all over the offense. It's just, man, Clemson's offense is really, really struggling. And, yeah, the frustration is there. You can hear it in Dabo Swinney in the postgame. You can see it in the actions of their defense taking two really, really stupid personal fouls late in that game, one of which sealed the game. The other probably came pretty close. And, yeah, I I, I don't know what is wrong with that offense, but it's a lot, that's for sure. I think it uh, rhymes with uh, Pony Elliott. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that may have something to do with it. Uh, <laughs> well, I think, you know, really what for Pitt, you know, they got the ball back with 246 left in the first half. And from that point forward in the game, uh, they had five drives that went for 59 plays, 328 yards, 28 points. I'm sorry, 20 points, 17 first downs. And every single one of those drives resulted in either points or victory formation. Like they were tied up at that point, seven, seven with, you know, going into the half and they just took the game over and didn't take their foot off the gas. They just kept the ball in their possession um, I didn't count up the time of possession, but it has to be significant. I mean, I'm looking at it here right now. Uh, we've got, what, let's see, 756, 548, uh, 546, uh, and 212. I mean, just consistently moving the ball on Clemson, drive after drive after drive, and Clemson obviously could not be up with that. And they're an offense that uh, I think was always, even in Trevor Lawrence, kind of predicated under explosive plays and just clearly could not hit them this year. Uh, and it is, I mean, it's killing them. Like, they are just, they look like a, a, a below-average ACC team. Like this looks like a 2008 Clemson team. It's crazy to watch. They look like some of the pit teams, actually, of the last few years, where it's like, <laughs> oh, man, that defense is so good. If they could just do something on offense, that'd be all right. I, I've covered that team before. I know what it's like. Uh, or the other way, in 2016, when Pitt had a great offense and couldn't cover anybody. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, I think Pitt did a really good job of running the ball against Clemson's defense. I was the most surprised by that in that game. I did not think that their offensive line could move Clemson out of running lanes 
you know, Clemson's front seven is extremely big, extremely strong. There are at least four NFL guys there. And Pitt's offensive line has really struggled over the last two seasons to make holes in the running game. And they were able to do that, and they were able to get Kenny Pickett into third and manageable. And I think that's when you have two big athletic tight ends, you have a a dynamic slot receiver like Jordan Addison, and you have a quarterback that can use his legs. That starts to become difficult to defend on third and four and third and five. And Pitt was somewhere, I think, above 50% on third downs. It's because they were in those very manageable, especially for their offense situations. And they just kept grinding out those drives. Clemson couldn't get them off the field because every time it was third and three, third and four, third and five, and there's Pickett making a play or finding a receiver over the middle. And uh, Clemson didn't have an answer for it. And and I really think it all started with Pitt being able to run the ball and and mm-hmm. not, not get stuck in third and 12. And that's when – uh, you see Venables start to fire up some exotic blitzes and and confuse people and and get Kenny Pickett running scared and I, and we saw that last year in, in this game a lot. I didn't see it in this one at all. Yeah, I mean the also the versatility of the pit running game was cool to watch. I mean you have what three running backs with forty or more carries in the team right now this season uh, between Israel and Vincent Davis and a little bit less of Rodney Hammond, but just uh, these guys going back and forth and kind of riding the hot hand and whoever's playing well is. I mean, it seems like they're all staying fresh as a result, and it helps them lean on these teams. But, Alan, I'm curious. I kind of want to talk about Pitt going forward the rest of the season and see where your head's at on them. Um, obviously, a big game coming up Halloween weekend against Miami. Uh, Miami has been tremendously disappointing this season, but is, I think, in a spot where Pitt has to be really careful here, right, coming off those these huge series of wins on the road at Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and then home against Clemson. Um, kind of where are you feeling the program is at and – Obviously, they have a ton in front of them right now. What are the expectations going forward the rest of the season for this pit team? Uh, is it weird to say that their expectations should be that they win all the rest of them? Like, there isn't another No, team. I don't think it's weird at all. <laughs> there isn't another team on the schedule that is even 75% as good as the Clemson team that they just kind of kind of cruised through, right? I mean, like, I, maybe Virginia – gets there by the time they play them. There's a long way to go between now and then. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll give that, you know, I think Brandon Armstrong's a good quarterback and and we'll see, maybe they can put some things together around him. But right now, like not only should Pitt win all the rest of them, they should win all the rest of them by two touchdowns. Like there's nobody that is going to come close to Clemson. I feel like I say this about Miami all the time. Every season Pitt plays Miami towards the end of the year. I feel like, and, and every year we talk about Miami, be like, well, their season has been horrendously disappointing, but this is still a team full of talent. And that's always true. Uh, yeah. And, and Miami handles Pitt. They won, I think four, four of the last six, something like that. Five of the last seven, some, somewhere in that in that realm, they played them without Kenny Pickett last year. So, I mean, there's challenges. Uh, North Carolina has a really good quarterback who can take advantage of that pick defense if he gets some help, which he has not consistently got. Uh, but I, I think they should win the rest of them. I, I you know I I said before the season I thought the team was a, about a nine and three team. I thought that the three games that could trip them up were these three: Clemson, Miami. And North Carolina, and they beat the toughest of them. Yeah, they lost to Western Michigan, but I mean, they should they should be in in the college football playoff picture going into the ACC championship game. 
I would say that's a reasonable expectation for this team right now. Yeah. I mean, just like we all thought, right, the ACC season is going to come down to undefeated Wake Forest versus one lost pick. With a can, you imagine, line. can you imagine taking the <laughs> ACC commissioner's job and in your very first season, you have to depend on Pitt and Wake Forest to carry the, the flag for the conference in into the postseason. That's that's what you're that's what you're banking on right now. Jim Phillips has probably uh got his Amazon reorder of Tums all set for the rest of football yeah. season. Because those I mean, are two schools where their fan even the fans <laughs> of these schools are like, we don't we're not gonna you you can't count on us. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's especially disappointing too. Not disappointing. It's it's awesome for this happening. I am a little bummed out that our show's official mascot, NC State, just took their second completely inexplicable loss of the season, uh, losing to Miami's backup quarterback. Uh, just unbelievable for us. But I was looking forward to that NC State Wake Forest game with the conference on the line, and uh, that's now looking a lot less impactful. Oh, it could it could <laughs> still it could still happen. Not nothing this is, is true. You, this is true. Cover the ACC long enough. You you learn nothing is set in stone and anybody can lose to anybody no matter how bad they look. Uh, except except no team over 500 can ever lose to Jeff Halfley. It's simply not possible. Uh, <laughs> according through two years of football. Um, but, uh, I mean, man, these quarterback duels coming up the rest of the season are exciting. Like closing the game with Kenny Pickett going head-to-head with Sam Howell, Brandon Armstrong, Garrett Schrader, who are in a pretty admittedly weak quarterback year have been like three of the top couple dozen quarterbacks in the country, uh, especially Armstrong, who's just been lighting it up this year. Uh, that's going to be really fun to watch. I mean, <laughs> I don't think any of us expected Pitt to be playing in these, you know, 40 to uh, 35 games all season, but I think they're going to have a few of them to survive the season if these teams can play at all. Um, and, man, that's Syracuse running back, Sean Carter. Uh, or what is it, Sean Carter? I don't think, uh, I don't think it's Sean something. Carter. It's something else. It's something with an S, Carter. Yeah. Uh, Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, these uh, is Sean Tucker. Sorry, Sean Tucker. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, Sean Tucker. He's been incredible. Just a lot of offensive firepower coming to the end of the season here for for Pitt's schedule, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's talk about Kenny Pickett for Heisman. By the way, what's uh, what's the feeling here? Well, I mean, I think the thing that makes it seem unrealistic is that the Heisman Trophy is always going to go to a team, a player on a team that's. There at the end of it, so they've got to complete their team goals, and it doesn't matter if they don't at least get to the you know get probably if they don't win the ACC, he probably can't win it, right? Like that. That's that's real talk. Like no one's gonna give a guy playing in the Cheez It Bowl the Heisman Trophy. Like that's just not <laughs> the way it works. And so uh, he's got to do that. So the team has to, but of course, like. The team and Pickett are pretty well tied in their outcomes. Like they need him to do well, and and he has for them. It's it's surprising in, in some ways, and and sort of. I think the biggest surprise is what's happened to everybody else, not what's happened to him. I always thought Kenny Pickett could be a really good quarterback. I thought he was really good last year when he was healthy. He got hurt. They dropped a ton of passes, and they couldn't run the ball. So it was a one dimensional offense. I don't think he has suddenly gotten so much better in the last 365 days. I mean, there are things I think he's improved on, but I think it's, it's mostly more about the team around him than it is him. But I mean, th- just the fact that every other preseason Heisman candidate basically is, is having a terrible year. I mean, that's the thing that 
makes everything about this pit season so weird, right? It's not weird. If you look at Pitt's schedule, it's not weird that Pitt's six and one. It's not weird if you look at Kenny Pickett's career that Kenny Pickett is where he is. Like, it's just sort of a natural progression. It's weird that, uh, oh, how the mighty have fallen and everybody else is looking around like, man, Pitt might be just as good as us. Kenny Pickett might be just as good as or better than, uh, you know, Spencer Rattler and and all these other people that, that people thought were going to be Heisman contenders. I think that's the really the weird and, and somewhat unbelievable part is that there's not somebody on some contending team that's got just as good as numbers as Pickett is that everybody thought was going to be good. Where are those players? I, I don't know. That's the really surprising part about it to me. Turns out they're all sitting on Oklahoma's bench. Uh, that's where they're at right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Patrick, I know you were covering the game in Bloomington, uh, at, you know, the Ohio State's game in Bloomington, rather. Uh, were you able to watch the fourth quarter of this Clemson game at all? And, I mean, did you see how the crowd was absolutely feeding off Kenny Pickett's energy? Um, I did not. I did see his his very good post-game quote about having a cold one. I agreed with him on that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I did not get to see the end of this one. Man, he was just like... I think it was two or three possessions or sorry, two or three series in a row where he just picked up like tough first downs in the ground. And he's a capable runner. I wouldn't describe him as someone who is like, you want to rely on his legs to win you games, but he was really just taking off and getting those first downs. And, you know, there was a play where uh, he leapt for the, uh, the first down marker and Nolan Turner was uh, trying his hardest to get his 19th targeting of his career. Uh, just absolutely launching himself for picket as he was diving for the sideline. And uh, narrowly, narrowly missed him. But Kenny was just like, you could see the energy every time he was picking up these yards. And the crowd was just going wild. About as energetic as I've seen a pit crowd in, in any non-Penn State game like of my lifetime. Or that's not true. Of the last 15 years. Certainly since that like 2009 Cincinnati game, right? Right, right. Uh, Man, that game was nuts. Uh, <laughs> uh that's another story for the day, though. But, yeah, I mean, Alan, it's, I guess, expectations. If it comes down to Pitt and Wake Forest in the ACC title game, how are you feeling for Pitt's chances to be a playoff contender? I think they need help. I don't think they can just I – think, I don't think they can run the table and get to the playoffs. They need some other teams to screw up, which will probably happen because it's college football. But, you know, if there's a – if there's a, an unbeaten and a one-loss team in the Big Ten and an unbeaten team in the Big 12 and unbeaten Cincinnati and, and you know, one or, you know, one loss, one loss or undefeated Georgia and one, and one loss Alabama or, you know, I they need a bunch of other people to lose. They're not going to get any benefit of the doubt, I don't think, uh, because the loss is to Western Michigan and you just can't lose that kind of game and mm-hmm. and – and go win a national championship. Like it's just not done. That's not how it works. And um, so they, they need help to be, uh, I think I, I see like ESPN FBI has them like over 25% right now. I think that's crazy talk. I think it's way less than that. I don't think the college football playoff would put, you know, like who's Oklahoma going to lose to that's more embarrassing than Western Michigan at this point. N- nobody, Kansas would have been the only team that was possible. So like they got to lose twice, Right. Like that, I, I, they can't just lose once. They've got to lose twice to get behind Pitt now. And, I don't know. Um, I mean, do you think a, a, an Oklahoma team that loses in the conference championship game would be behind an ACC champion Pitt that finishes the season reeling off like 10 consecutive wins? Yeah, I do. I just, I, I think it's because it's Pitt 
And it's, so it's not a team that, yeah. You know, if that was one loss, Alabama with like an uncharacteristic screw up, sure. But it's Pitt, and no one's going to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's also the ACC, which probably sure. doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, it's a weak conference and a really unbelievably poor year, even for the ACC. And so I, I don't think Pitt just walks in like. One loss ACC champion pit to me is still an underdog to make the playoffs as we sit here right now. That could change, but I, I just they I, really I do need agree. The hope that Wake Forest yeah. does get there undefeated because that would give them one good win. I mean, you look at who they've beaten. <laughs> like Tennessee is not a good SEC team. If you take the Clemson name off the Clemson resume, it's not that impressive. The most impressive thing they've done is not lose that badly to Georgia, which nobody else can seem to do. So fair, but like, you know, Clemson doesn't look great this year either. So where's the signature wind offset this, this, uh, you know, chunky loss to, to Western Michigan. So I just think they, they have a, an image problem for themselves and their conference. They had a really bad loss and they're going to be hard pressed to come up with a good win to offset it. So to me, really any one loss team at this point from the big 10, the sec or the big 12 is going to go in ahead of them. The pac 12, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't even really exist and probably will does not have any chance of getting the playoffs just because uh, people don't step that late to watch football. I guess. I don't know. I, doesn't seem like they have any shot ever. All of that logically makes sense, and I hear you, but if we're just going under, like, the horror movie 2007 scenario where everything that, like, can go insane is, you know, it's just like a uh, – we're living in an H.P. Lovecraft college football novel, uh, then I think Pitt is just bound to reprise its 2007 role of throwing a complete wrench into the national playoff picture – or national title picture somehow, and I can't wait to see how they do it. I don't know which way it'll be yet, if it's keeping Wake Forest out and what would be the most insane bid of these of like the history of college football or what else is going to happen? I don't know. I, I just know somehow Pitt will do something very bizarre uh, and strange to, to uh, impact the picture nationally. And I can't wait to find out how. Um, also, we'll see if it's one of the years where the committee remembers that game control is a statistic or what the criteria are this year. As I'm always excited to find out which statistics they decide to, uh, <laughs> to use to, to put Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia in the playoff. It'll be fun to find out which ones they pick. And hey, I, I can't really argue with that. I think those are the best three teams in the country. I, I'd put them in too, but you know, we'll see. For sure, for sure. And you well, were talking I, about I'm, Kenny I'm Pickett before. I wanted to. I want to say this <laughs> about Kenny Pickett. You were talking about him, you know, like running for those first downs at the end of the game. He is the toughest quarterback I have ever encountered. The, he he does not think he's a quarterback. Like there is no there is no. Um, diva in him at all you know he, he is like the dirtiest grittiest uh quarterback i have ever covered and he his uniform is always filthy after every game and he just he loves to play football and 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 he's a football player man like he he just he wants to bang around like he's they had to really yell at him to get him to start to slide he didn't want to do that uh, very famously in his sophomore year, he had like a semi-public fight with Pat Narduzzi about not wanting to wear a knee brace. He was like, I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't, I don't feel like I need it. I just want to go run around. And so I, I think it's very, that's the, the, maybe the most underrated attribute he has is that the kid is just tough as nails, uh, at least compared to quarterbacks around, you know, around college. The second football. coming of Tyler Pelko. 
Yeah, he really, man, he's like Tyler Palco, except with, Accurate. you know, a, 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 <laughs> with like real offensive weapons. That's, you know, look at who Tyler yeah. Palco played with. Like there, there was, that was, that was a pretty down time for Pitt, you know, receiving wise. This is, I mean, he's got some good receivers out there and, and I think he's a pretty capable guy. Speaking um, of, have you, have you heard anything on Jordan Addison? Uh, any idea when he's coming back? Uh, Pat said questionable today, so that means either he's dead or he's fine or anywhere. And, in- <laughs> and does anyone have him in our league? <laughs> That's what I, want to know. I don't think so. No, nobody has Kenny Pickett either, which I, I should probably feel some shame for for not because he's going to like get drafted in the second round or something like that uh, of the NFL draft. No, I don't think anybody has either of them, and uh, they're certainly NFL players. I don't know. If Addison, I mean Addison's got another year. He's, he, I think he's probably one year away. Can he pick it? I think that's an interesting conversation of how high in the draft he will go. Because on one hand, I think he does have some physical limitations. He does not have a super accurate or super strong deep ball. Um, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not that you know like six five sort of uh, prototype NFL quarterback. But with everybody else having such a bad season and the position being at such a premium demand in the NFL, I just feel like teams are going to be like, well, we need a quarterback, so who's playing well? All right, well, that guy, okay, that's the one. Like, It would not be crazy to me if he ends up being a first-round pick just because who's having a better season than him as a quarterback? I like Carson Strong. I I have him, by the way, uh, in our fantasy league. Sure, sure. Um, but it's all. Uh, but there are aren't that many players that are having a really good year that's going to go. Yeah, I mean maybe Matty Corral and shout that they're a first round draft pick. Yeah, I mean maybe Matt Corral, but I mean yeah, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud aren't eligible this year. Um, a lot of other guys have been injured or not playing that well. Sam Howell has no weapons. It seems like this year and also has been a little iffy. Yeah, I mean, and every other guy who's having a good season kind of is a little bit comparable to Pickett himself, right? Like Brennan Armstrong said it great, but has some clear physical limitations I don't think you want to rely on. So I, I clearly understand what you're saying. I mean, I think Pickett's definitely going to be in the running to be, you know, I think I might have tweeted this out, but I, I think there are like, you know, like 40 third-round quarterbacks this year and no first-rounders, <laughs> and, which means some guys are going to get taken way too high and some guys are going to exceed expectations. and. It's going to be a crowdshoot year quarterback, and I can't wait to see it. And also, um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard uh, both uh, reference uh, our reference our fantasy league here in the podcast, and also I think Ari and Bill reference it all the time on four to six A and B. Uh, for context's sake, we have a 12 team uh, developmental dynasty league with all sports writers, uh, where it was a 50 player draft to start the start the league, uh, 40 active NFL players and 10 developmental players, meaning guys still in high school and college. Uh, so Arch Manning, who still has, you know, a year and a half to play high school football, uh, has been owned for two years already in our league. And uh, it's it's a it's a crazy league and one of the most fun I've ever played in. So it's a great time. And I'm sure you'll hear us talk about it to your annoyance for many, many months and years to come. <laughs> but, Alan, I think that's all I've got for you this week. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Not really. Just check out my stuff at uh, Pit Coverage at Pittsburgh Sports Now, Steelers at uh, SteelersNow.com, and uh, just – uh, that's it. Go check out the stuff, and uh, I, 
come follow along. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun fall. I'm, I'm sure of that I, I, we, we seem to be guaranteed interest uh, the rest of the way. Yes. And that, that's a, <laughs> as a sports writer, that is exactly what you want. Uh, I've covered a lot of meaningless games in my, in my tenure, and I don't predict any the rest of the way here. Awesome. Well, Hey, follow him at uh, a Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter. And like he said, please read the stuff in Pittsburgh sports. Now he is fantastic. And a great friend of the show and a friend of mine personally. Alan, thanks again so much, and we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me.